Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Water Life Science, Nature's Pharma, and the Power of Water. Water Life Science is something that many years ago, I decided that on our planet, the nature of our lives has got to be understood and that common sense with that nature, it's not complex, but it is aging and it's millions and millions of years of age to teach us something. The water is what is our life and without that water, there is no life. There is no planet earth. It may have that planet, but there won't be the life on the planet. And as I began to study well over 30 years ago, I found that what are disease? What is stress? What is health? It's not so complex, but the diseases and the symptoms that we have are getting worse every day from the beginning of time. And it's time we decided to study that. And it can be done, which I have been doing too. Water is a science. It should never be taken for granted ever. It's a life. It's a species. It's, it's a living life. You are a living life. But the nature to it is when we got into pharmaceuticals, I believe that nature's pharma should be always first studied. And then I think that the power of water should be understood. And I think we've taken that for granted, all of us, even in research and in science, that there is something to be learned here to discover together, and that's why this radio talk show. And from the beginning of the talk show many years ago, I need to mention all the wonderful guests we've had to be here today to teach the story, the research, and the education they've shared, and their, their passion to share with you and I. And for the person who comes on the show, the individuality, we go back and forth and study together with you listening. So welcome people to come and listen, because there's a lot you can learn from these guests and all these wonderful shows about how to breathe why water is important and why you should be drinking plain water, safe water. And all of your politicians stress water priority on earth above everything. You notice they haven't done it. Nutrition is a technology of learning. It's not just to be taken for granted because you need to learn how your body is being, is, has the nutrition Maybe you don't feel good after eating a carrot and somebody else does. Maybe there's something with your water that isn't agreeing with you and it does for somebody else. You can learn. The discovery of moderate exercise. If you're an athlete, yes, you have to work out and yes, you have to uh, exercise and practice and train and learn that endurance run, we'll call it. But you got to, in between, learn to relax with rhythm. 
But she should learn with moderate exercise how to be rhythmatic too. They don't overdo it. Then sleeping, like the earth sleeps. Because once you learn how to sleep, that'll relax the whole body and slow down the body's pace to where you're rhythming while you sleep. So learn how to sleep. This radio talk show is going to remind you every show before we bring on our guest. Your brain is 80 to 85% water. Your eyes are 90 to 95% water. Tear film is 99% water at the surface. Your lungs are 75 to 80% water. Your heart is 75% water to 80. Skin is 70 to 75% water. Your blood is 50% water. Muscles are 70 to 75% water. Your teeth are 8 to 10%. Bones are 20 to 25%. Now, if I just taught you what the body is made up of is water, a percentage of water that you mean, must maintain. And when you leave that mother's pocket of water and womb and you enter into the water vapor of the air, your life begins, but you also begin to evaporate water loss immediately. Evaporation begins. You're like a sieve tell you to hydrate to death. That's what this show is all about. And we bring our guests on, and between myself and my research, their research, you're going to be eavesdropping, like in a laboratory, of learning more. And you may learn enough that you can start teaching yourself and us. There is something we're forgetting. Maybe there's more secrets to it all, too. Because as all scientists have said, common sense, is very important. It isn't so complex. And living with the planet, there's common sense from for millions of years of how it began. Now, today we have a very exciting guest. I'm really excited. He's a very dear friend, Dr. Dwayne Cecil, PhD. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back in a minute with Dr. Dwayne Cecil. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Cecil, are you with us? I'm here. Well, thank you for joining us. I know how busy you are. Uh, let's, I would like the audience to get to know you, and could you tell us uh, why you got involved in the, career, the profession you're in. You're a scientist. You're a Ph.D. Tell us about your background and what, what you've achieved, and then we'll get into the subject matter today of what we want to talk about. Okay, sure. So I've spent 31 years in the federal sector working for the U.S. Geological Survey and NASA and NOAA as a scientist and as an engineer. And my educational background includes study in geology and ecosystems and math and physics and chemistry and and generally all all the hard sciences and and I concentrated on the applied sciences of the house and what I mean by that is how do we use science and engineering for societal benefit so that's my con- my career's really been concentrated on applications after 31 years in the federal Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I started to say, and attracted my the radio show to you long ago because you've been one of those special guests is studying climate, water, and the atmosphere and the rest of the world. You've been a consultant all over the world. That's correct. That's correct. In my federal positions in the federal sector, I, I did do a, a lot of international travel and international consulting. On, on using, again, using science and engineering for societal benefit. And I've now been in the private sector for about seven years. I work for a company called Global Science and Technology. I'm the chief climatologist for the company and a program manager. I have my own company, Sustainable Earth Observation Systems. And my clients include the Center for the Advancement of Science in Space. And we do have been doing work with, uh, with NASA on the U.S. National Lab on the International Space Station, and I have a new group that I've a not-for-profit group that I formed called Destination Space, and we really in Destination Space concentrate on capacity building and STEM for grades kindergarten through twelfth grade, and STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, and we offer hands-on training for students in in grades. We concentrate on uh, the earliest we go. Is, with, with the engineering that we do and satellite building and, and design and construction is elementary school through high school. And so Destination oh, Space also, well, it also offers a, a science camp here in western North Carolina, live in the Asheville area, and our science camp is coming up the end of this month, July. We have a day mm-hmm. of robotics and a couple of days of satellite design and engineering, and then the students actually launch what they have built and designed and tested on low-altitude weather balloons and collect data and report out then at the end of the week on their data. And, and that all leads to what we see happening in, in technology and the Internet and, and how we want to start building capacity in our younger citizens across the U.S. And we also work in, in on the African continent and some other countries and taking these younger students and, and they already have an interest in 
science and engineering and math and technology. We just want to, to give them the opportunity for hands-on learning and, and start addressing some of the challenges we all face on a, on a global scale and doing it at earlier yeah, and earlier uh, we ages. We had a guest on recently uh, uh, that uh, his background is an MD, but he's retired. And he, goes, he does go out and work with the schools here in the United States on encouraging young people to pursue science and, and get excited if they have a vision and if they have a, a curiosity. He and I talked about curiosity it's, it, to give them the opportunity to really uh, look, explore into this field. And try to, because the children today, because of the computer, the computer offers an internet, I should say, the internet offers a lot of excitement to kids because they can look up anything they want to look up today if they're curious. And it's it's an opportunity to challenge their time to do that. And don't let anybody try to make them feel like it might be too, too, too far advanced to think about something that maybe somebody else hasn't thought of yet, doctor. Um, exciting. I'd love to have, I told him too, I'd like to have, be thinking in the back of your mind to put together some students to have on the show once in a absolutely. while when you think there's yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, it'd be fun. Uh, oh, we, are, absolutely. We, we have a new sponsor. We have a new person a company, uh, Dragon Global Network uh, Television, uh, out of Washington D.C. with Rose Hong, is uh, partnering with our show, and she's it's going to go worldwide. And uh, so, when the kids can maybe bring on a, a student from wherever, and another student from uh, here in the United States, and maybe have yourself on with them, and get them talking to each other, and bringing out a laboratory of thinking that is, that they would like to discuss and for sure. young people not to be concerned about being embarrassed that maybe something hadn't been thought of before that maybe they're wanting to challenge. That's what it's all about. It is. It really That's- is. And we teach our students that I think it was Aristotle that said long ago, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There might be some answers that aren't so well thought out, but there is no such thing as a, a dumb question. And we instill that in our students that if you have a question, don't think it's silly and, and ask your question. That's how you learn. And so that's what we, we try to teach. And we, we really focus on the underrepresented student populations in science, engineering, technology, and math. For example, our inaugural space camp was last summer, August of last year, and we had uh, 18 students in our week-long space camp, and three-quarters of them were female. And we just took, in February, we took four female high school students from a STEM high school here in, in Asheville, North Carolina. We took them to an aerospace conference at the Los Angeles International Airport in the spaceport there. And these four high school students got on the stage with me and gave a paper at an aerospace conference, and then they participated and a panel on STEM education, and they, they literally stole the show. And so they really oh, know, gosh. these young young people really know more about the Internet than we do, than we could ever know. And all they want they is the opportunity yeah. to be able to take the engineering and science and, and apply it through what they've learned with computers and the Internet. 
Well, the, the excitement, you know, way back in time, doctor, when I used to study way back in time, is I go down to the library and I have my list of things and I, they'd sign me to a reference librarian and then we would begin to search for the topic books around the world. And some of them were there and then some of them they had to bring in. And um, we really, it was a challenge. Nowadays, um, I have my somebody just go and check it out for me, and I have somebody that can just keep diving deep, deeper and deeper and deeper to go check out some information. And I've always been excited when people send me information out there in the world, and I want to say that to my audience. If you ever run into anything you think I should know about that's out there, don't take it for granted that we know about it. But right. that is true. Young students today, I, it is exciting. Um, uh, I'm really excited for you joining uh, Dr. Siegel to be involved with that. Now, before, yeah, we move a lot into of the, before we move into the Internet of Things, uh, I'm, in my world with the students is to get them excited about how we're living on this planet. Um, I'm, uh, to me, the scientific side of the technology of that can save lives. And the exploration of it is, is, is we've taken for granted how we live here. Absolutely. You live more than anybody, and you know that. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. And you've watched what happened to all these diseases. They, they're, they're not learning to be with to study common sense, and yeah. uh, I'm hoping that that's something you and your team and I can be part of with you someday when I get a moment uh, to encourage is scientific technology that maybe is such common sense that we've all not noticed it, and that's where these students come in. And with the internet, to be able to compare. You, um, You've studied technology. You want to compare what's there to keep studying. I always take a column where everybody agrees with the subject. This is an, and then another one where they all disagree on something. And what I might have found that they didn't see that is something new. And that was something the doctor and I recently said, too. And if you can think about it, that in your classes, if you, like you just said, if you have a student who says, well, this is kind of embarrassing, or this is something I, you know, I don't know if I should bring it up. Like you just said, you want to encourage them to, yes, discuss it. Bring it up. What do you, what's on yeah, your absolutely. mind? Oh, yeah. If you're, cur- if you're curious, uh, ask your questions. And we don't always so have the curious? answers. But the question may, may make us all start thinking differently about about how we do things. And I, one of the examples I give our students is when I was in high school, we didn't have computers. And now these students that, that we are mentoring and guiding are building satellites in high school that get launched into space. They're building the satellites yeah. and designing the satellites and, and getting a five-day Earth orbit, which we can talk a little bit more about. But these students are, that because of computers and the Internet, have right. really just moved all of our boundaries and thinking. And, and so we're trying our, everything we can to give these students that are from the underrepresented populations, the females and minority populations in the high schools that may not get the chance to do these kinds of projects. We really we, we target those, 
those populations and and give them opportunities to actually see something that's launched into space off of a, a supply rocket headed for the International Space Station that, I mean, nobody's done this before. And so we're really... That is exciting. We're, we're, we're ex- proud and excited to be part of it. And the other thing I think about, because I used to have Noe back in time uh, when I was president of the American Cancer Society here in Southern Oregon, uh, I formed what was the first Teens Against Cancer because I had about 500 kids, just as many boys as we did girls. And the, what it was based on is educating the world about health education and proactiveness to maybe uh, detect cancer um, before it gets too late. And the kids were so excited to be part of the medical field and be involved and be treated like uh, they knew as much because I've always looked at young people. I've always said to, to everybody on earth, there's no such thing as an unperfect child. They're all perfect. They're all perfect. They're all individual too. They want to learn. They, they're excited. And look at what your background as a young person. I was, I, I was a nuisance growing up as a young person, <laughs> excuse me, because I was always curious and I was trying to get the teacher to teach the class into a little more toward the directions that I thought my curiosity was going and I would drive them crazy. <laughs> then as an adult, I took that curiosity into the world of people and I sat on the State Board of Health when I was 27 years old because I was curious why health education wasn't more common sense. And as my research now and what I've been doing the studying, uh, where I come from, uh, we'll get into that here pretty soon with you, but um, young people are curious and nobody should ever be, you know, this is just what I've learned and you can bring it up today too probably in a conversation have you noticed where people get mad if you disagree with them? Uh, well, I think that that's a, a pretty recent development. I think that's in this and, country, and, and, and it's, that is so that is so unexciting. <laughs> because yeah, if you disagree, I always look at the people who disagree with me like, "What do you know that I maybe hadn't thought of yet?" <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's a. I think it's unique to the United States right now, in my opinion, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And uh, you know, it's one of the things that. Well, I don't one know. One I went into science and engineering because I'm, I'm not political. Um, yeah, I was noticing some differences around the world in different countries that they're they're uh, wanting to let the world know that they're disagreeing, but they're wanting to do it in a in a in a way that I think they should go out and form large organizations get together in meetings and hear each other about what are you thinking? What is your thinking on how you eat? What is your thinking on, uh, on breathing? What is your thinking on anything? Yep. And be curious. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can remember during the uh, Vietnam situation, and I had a brother in Vietnam, and my best friend, and he was in the Marines, and I remember uh, he was seriously wounded, came home okay, but he was very, very seriously wounded, and on a hospital ship for a month, he came home, 
And then he ended up being back east, and they carried him off campus during a thing he was doing to the Marines. And I said to this person who was very, very upset all the time about the war, and I said to Pat, and I said to him, I said, why don't you form a group of people, get into a meeting, get the, the group to get bigger, and bring up a conversation about what you believe, and not going out so extreme and use some more common sense and have a conversation. What you and I are saying today about science, science is a conversation. And it's like Dr. Pollock and I were on the show together last week. There's so much to learn that we can all share with each other that young students and the grandma and different people can relate to each other and open up a chapter that we hadn't thought of that before. That is, let's go study that. Yeah, that really is a great segue to the, to the Internet of Things. And there's that a lot of talk it. about, perfect. there's a lot of talk about what that is and, and not much talk about what it is and then how we're going to accomplish it. And it's, it depends on your perspective, but the Internet of Things has really been around for more than a decade, and it's been called some other things before it was was dubbed the Internet of Things. But it really is essentially now, uh, how smart come devices. Up with that name, the Internet of Things. Well, there's there's several researchers and and people that are involved with computer companies and the application of of computers and computer science. And several of them came up with that idea of it. It actually had been called, um, uh, oh, it was called something different earlier. It was called ubiquitous computing. And that's kind of a hard <laughs> one for people to say. So they, they, they shortened it up and called UbiComp for u- ubiqu- ubiquitous. See, I can't even say it. Ubiquitous oh, computing. But now it's now it's called the Internet of Things, and it's essentially just smart devices like lots of us, not everyone, but most of us have smartphones. That's a, that's a smart device that really has turned into an industry by connecting all kinds of things to through computers. And they can make our lives better and maybe not so. But it's essentially the Internet of, of Things is is connecting any device that has an on and off switch, your toaster, your refrigerator, headphones, lamps. Uh, you see a lot of people, I, I, I exercise a lot, and I see people in the gym with these Fitbit watches on. Connecting any of those things through, for instance, a smartphone or a sensor, some electronic sensor, to the Internet via computers, that's really what the Internet of Things is all about. And it's there's been some some studies done that within two years we're what July we're actually in July of 2018. So in a year and a half from now, some analysts have have estimated that there's going to be somewhere around 30 billion connected devices on Earth. And that's you know nearly uh, five times, almost four and a half, five times the population of the Earth. So for every soul on the earth, there'll be four or five connected devices. And some people think that's low. It could be as much as 100 billion devices. And so there's, there's some good things that can come from that, and then there's some not-so-good things that can come from that. We can certainly talk about those, those kinds of things. But one of the things that we do in teaching the students 
about applications of technology and engineering and the science behind satellites and the data that they collect, the weather and climate data that they collect, is how that can be for societal benefit, but that's all part of the Internet of Things. There are sensors that are are sensing what's going on in the environment, and we can connect that, the students connect that data through computers and the Internet to global data sets and add to our knowledge of weather and climate. And we really want to teach the students that the Internet of Things can be beneficial for all of us, but there's also Dr. some drawbacks. Dr. that. we're going to take that one break. David just told me we're going to have a window here, and we'll be right back, and you're going to teach this audience the excitement of this. This is exciting. Uh, don't go right. anywhere. We'll be right back. I won't. Uh, We'll be listening to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that the surface of your eye has a tear film, and it's 99% water? That tear film evaporates from the moment you're born, and that eyelid opens. If you have any vision impairment at all, it's because of over-evaporation per person. No two people evaporate exactly alike. There are no two eyes alike. Nature's Tears Eye Mist was requested by doctors, ophthalmologists many years ago to be able to be a handheld portable device to be able to humidify around the eyes to supplement that tear film. It doesn't take away from your eye drops. It doesn't, it's wonderful with contact lenses. Any age can use it safely. It's the breath of life for the eyes and to breathe. Well, listen to the sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening. 
listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Cecil, we were talking about the Internet of Things. And um, that is the name now. And who started that? Well, again, it, it's it's a phrase that's been coined by several researchers in, in the computer industry and, and some op- entrepreneurs that, that started some of the computer companies. And and so it's it's not the Internet of Things is that that phrase is not uh, credited to just one person. It's it's sort of a, a computer industry um, way of of describing what's happening. It really is a technology. It's disruptive technology. It's what's called disruptive mm-hmm. technology, and it's really really exploding. And and give you some examples of one of the things that we teach in our destination space science or space camp destination space. Uh, space camp is that by really understanding the technology behind satellites and the application of the data collected from satellites, they can then understand the Internet of Things because the Internet of Things is really built on on several companies, including SpaceX and a company called OneWeb, that want to s- literally put thousands of satellites, small satellites about the size of a Beanie Baby box, if you've ever seen a little Beanie Baby box or a small Kleenex box, thousands of satellites in orbit around the Earth to make broadband Internet available to everybody on the face of the Earth, all the rural rural areas, so we wouldn't have to have fiber optics buried in the ground. We could do it with satellites. And so we relate what we teach our students in satellite design, engineering, application and science with the data they collect from the from those satellites with what's coming in the in the internet of things and everything being connected I mean, you can literally connect your your refrigerator your toaster um, anything with an on off switch around your your home coffee makers washing machines can be connected and monitored through computers over the internet now there's some. So some you're what, let me back you up for a second. Okay. okay. Curiosity here. Um, so you're trying to. They're trying to get the the planet Earth wireless. Yes, that's correct. And and you, now, you, you saw Facebook trying to there. do that too. Yeah, I'm going to ask you something there, because I study the atmosphere and uh, water vapor. And I'm a believer and convinced that uh, without that atmosphere and that water vapor, there you couldn't do, have a wireless. Am mm-hmm. I right? Um, you, you probably could. I mean, you, you, it, I mean, it's not the, the broadcast over broadband internet is not dependent on moisture level in the atmosphere. So the, can, electricity electricity and the power of our of the atmosphere the electric mm-hmm. energy the the atmosphere is providing um, you're not convinced that is why they can have uh, a plane fly have wireless communications Oh there's a lot the more than yeah I mean that's part of it but 
Sure it is. I didn't say sure the whole thing. Absolutely. I didn't say yeah. the whole thing, but yeah. I'm saying Absolutely. the atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I've, I'm, been studying myself for a long time. Something, and I, I'm curious because I do believe that once the individuals understand that power that is in the atmosphere, and and because I had a airport controller who's a scientist, airport controller. They said without that atmosphere, that's what they study to fly the plane through the atmosphere. Right. So the well, without the atmosphere, we the wouldn't airplane, be here. <laughs> so the invention of the airplane, plus the power and invention of electric power, the invention of, of Morse code, everything was depending upon what happens with the atmosphere. And then when I started studying the behavior of the rhythm uh, because of the atmosphere, and I'm a, I'm a, in the future of studying that atmosphere, even for solar panels and for the windmills and all that, plus going out into space and, and try all this, everything you're talking about, the wireless. This is where I'm hoping that there becomes a, a, also a priority to study that atmosphere's power to this, to this planet, once I think they begin to understand the, the, the atmosphere and that vapor and evaporation, they'll understand looking for more cures for diseases because if you've noticed, we've had more diseases than we have anything else on the planet. They're having to come up with brand new names that we've never had ever to invent names for new diseases that they've never heard of before. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I, I think part of that is, I mean, there's seven and a half going on eight billion people on the planet, and so there's there's a lot more that that can a lot more of us that can be affected by um, imbalances in the atmosphere and in our water system and water cycle. There and I think we go. Back to but, the, but the atmosphere influences the water system. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a web. Actually, it's a web. And so back and, to the internet. And now we're of back things. into the inter- we're into the internet. The internet's right. invention. When I studied that invention, and I go back into what would be, and I was so excited. I mean, being what who I because remember I used to go to the library and study. And uh, because I'm one of those crazy kids, people in time in the past who believed. Why am I thinking that way? And I never got embarrassed when somebody tried to make me feel like I wasn't able to do it. And, mm-hmm. and of course, and I was a female doing it. They weren't used to women, females, being into technology inventors. Right. Out there in the woodwork, running around, <laughs> telling the world, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. I'm coming, I'm coming, doctor. <laughs> and well, then I go out the... and I actually do <laughs> Which, uh, right. and I'm still alive. <laughs> well, these are some of the good From things Grand about... Grand Oregon, a 35,000 population, but back to the world out there and what you're doing with Internet of Things, our students, the students and the young, the world, uh, the, curi- the word curiosity, 
And then we're now saying the Internet has got a, you're describing today, today this wireless future. And I've said over and over again to you, you've been, I've been bending your ear for years and other scientists, we've got to study that atmosphere. We're going to keep studying this wireless. Right. We've got to study yeah. the atmosphere if we're going to understand that people are still going to live and be healthy and live on this planet if we keep pulling out of the atmosphere more wireless, more things that have to be done. See, I'm something to think about, and your background could, could throw you curiosity to what I'm going to say today. What, what is so fascinating, the more we human beings do to use the planet Earth's atmosphere, it's going to pull the atmosphere to being on overload. We're already there, in my opinion. Being a climate scientist, okay, we're already there. For, thank you for saying the atmosphere we're is on, on overload. overload already. Sure. And yet yeah, we're, we're coming before. up with more and more, and human beings are so brilliant. And our youth, we want them to get you know, get away from not wanting sitting down in conversations and don't mind disagreeing with each other. Because sometimes when you disagree, you walk away. Have you ever walked away from somebody you disagreed with and thought, well, they had something there. I wonder what they were thinking. You know, um, rather than being upset or angry or what are they thinking? Sure. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. And but, that's but science. That's, the proponents of the Internet of Things would argue that by by connecting everything electronically and sensing changes in our systems, for instance, in smart cities, you can have sensors that are from from your world, from what you've been studying. You could have water quality sensors and water leakage sensors in large cities like Manhattan, and we would know when there's immediately when there's a leakage in the system, or we would know when the water quality has gotten to a point where we have to pay some kind of attention to it. Um, and we and that could be in real time, and that could be connected through the Internet of Things with sensors placed in key key areas. Air pollution the same way. That's a big one for the atmosphere and for for climate change. We get well, you know what I know what carbon I carbon dioxide emissions. Started telling me I'm a communicating freak. I'm a communicator. You you listen to me for a long time. I love to communicate with my curiosity, and I do a lot of talking. But like somebody said, she listens as she talks. And the thing about it is, the first thing I thought of is Internet of Things. Can you imagine the new lifestyle of curiosity with science and people want to join it from all walks of life? Because as you said, they can do it with the Internet. They can do it with their smartphones and build a lifestyle of people who... Um, that's been my dream with water life science, nature's pharma and the power of water is by far more coming is because that world, we live in the world of a planet called earth and that earth without that water and the air to breathe and without that millions of years that earth provided us with a nature's pharma that we can have a lifestyle of excitement, of curiosity, and willing to learn, not be so smart, and willing to learn more every molecular moment, and then develop a planet with intellectual property value for everybody's table, 
to be able to understand what they can do to participate just because of what you said today, the Internet of Things. Oh, but it, but there there's and and you talked about intellectual property and and privacy and so there there is a criticism of the Internet of Things and an example of that. Have you heard of the Nest smart thermostats? You can see them in Home Depot and and Lowe's and they're a, a smart thermostat system that was invented by an Apple iPod designer and they became very popular and the company was sold to Google for three point something billion dollars a few years ago and now these Nest smart thermostats are showing up in homes and they they claim and and I've seen them work that the Nest thermostat on the wall learns things about your family schedule and monitors yeah. your home and adjusts the yeah. settings to maximize yeah. energy usage. But Google owns this, and Google also has Google Earth yeah. and the cameras that film the outside of your home when you don't even know what's going on. And so there's a pushback by some on the Internet of things that do you really want Google being able to perhaps through a thermostat on your wall or Google Maps Right. Really knowing everything about your lifestyle and, and, and your home. And so there's some, what is some privacy happen, questions. I believe, uh, of course, I'm going to go back to the atmosphere. Um, um, something that they're going to learn and, uh, around all of that is they're going to learn another, some young students out there, and I've said it for a long time, and I think I may have said it to you one time, young people will be your next scientist. I've said this to people for years. Because, well, that's why we have because, destination space. There we go. And the thing is, is that's why I'm hoping when I have time to tap into the students eventually too with your help and what we're doing in research is tapping into them to be not just into space. But when you're learning about space, can you learn as you go about space about the atmosphere and how oh, we're absolutely. living on this planet to learn to live with the space? Did you follow yep. me? Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Our, so, yep. so I, I'm one of those who believes in space, going out into space and the rest of the solar system and the orbit. I do. Because I do believe that when Earth first had that droplet of water, and I'm calling it evaporation, something happened to evaporate that droplet to become that weight change. And then all of a sudden, we have this planet that came millions of years later. There's so much to learn about the space we're living in. And it's like Dr. Pollock found the fourth water in the body. The other scientists over in New York just found another organ in the body. They never knew it was there that fluctuates the water in the body. And then we have the CERN group that found uh, not long ago that fourth, wasn't it a fourth matter in the atmosphere? Oh, and our, so I can add to that list. I can add to that well, list. You our could students, with your background. Well, our students that, that build and fly these satellites, they're they're launched off a second stage of a supply rocket bound for the International Space Station at about 150 miles above the Earth's surface. It's a part of the atmosphere that rockets and satellites are launched through it, and our high altitude balloons and our high altitude aircraft can't get to it, and that small piece of atmosphere that our students are flying in 
has been dubbed the ignorosphere. It's a part of the atmosphere that is not studied mm-hmm. by science in general because most rockets fly through it and our, and our airplanes and our balloons can't get to it. So our students are actually providing data for a part of the atmosphere above the Earth that we have very little data on. So we're adding to that we database as well. If you can, Doctor, if you and your team, and we could get them, when everybody's studying out there and the books begin to change, that the atmosphere is water vapor. They don't it remember is. that. They don't think that. I, when I mm-hmm. started this research, I was shocked when the doctors didn't really want to talk about it. Physicians didn't really study it in school. Um, and, and it's just like Dr. Pollock and I were talking the other day. The, the word evaporation was like a voodoo. And once they study that atmosphere, that water vapor of the atmosphere, like flying a plane uh, through the earth, over the earth and around the earth, and the way that plane is operated was invented, then all of a sudden we can learn what's going on with human life, all life, the, the bark on the tree. And the soil. Yeah, it's all connected. I found that soil was so overlooked. You're, you know this. How often do they get serious about the atmosphere and the soil to be protected from the, with the atmosphere? Because without the soil, we would, we would begin to dry up, too. Well, in these, in these smart life, cities and smart agricultural designs. There we go. And the smart cities and the smart agricultural designs, looking at exactly. the, the water level of the soil is very important, and that can be sensed and, Vital. and shared over the now, Internet. Now, I'll tell you where I came from on this. I had been studying over 30 years ago, and I don't know if you knew this, that stress can cause, stress can cause death. And I was surprised when I was present in American Cancer Study where the terminal diagnosis, they would, their personalities would change. And I'm one of those people who would challenge that, which I've had that experience, to challenge that I might not live. And to, to pace it, to slow that down, a pace down. Don't get under a lot of muscle tension. Well, then I got to thinking maybe people cause it to the skin, and people are sensory to the skin. All of a sudden, I decided, okay, I studied the skin for years, and I came out with the study of the skin and worried about melanoma. But then when ophthalmology research came to me about the human eye organ, well, they'd seen a documentary about me on public broadcasting. Did you know that the evaporation of the eye does that? Sure. Uh, that causes there's an impairment to blindness. And I said, oh, really? And then all of a sudden, the word evaporation came to to the front line because of the human eye organ. And now they're finding because of the evaporation of the eye, it's 99% water living with the atmosphere and the water vapor is what's causing the problems and blindness is out of control because it's vision impairment caused by water evaporation. Well, the whole body's going through that, doctor. The earth is going through, your soil is going through that. Your atmosphere is going through that. How can we encourage all these young people and all these scientists to start get into something else, including called let's study the life, the living water, and the air we're living in, the debris. Then we learn about space around us and what is going on. 
Sure. Not only that, and, a new technology that's never been. Well, and, and, and that comes back, again, another good segue to the Internet of Things. If, if you can put a sensor exactly. on a system, you can... There you sense go. that you sense those changes and and share that over the internet and and monitor it in real time. Exactly. I could have gone on with this show for another hour. We only have a minute left. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Today, uh, of course, uh, this is my favorite subject. Uh, back to Internet of Things. Uh, where do they go on the internet to find out more about it? Oh, you, you, very simple. Just Google Internet of Things, and they will find okay. a wealth of information from smart cities to agricultural improvements to some of the privacy challenges and uh, having having large companies having devices in your home that you can sense changes in, in what's going on in your home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it mm-hmm. has the goals are, are lofty and the goals are... Admirable, but I mean, I think we have to be careful about how we put these systems in place. But just Google the Internet right. of Things, and they'll find a wealth of information. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, and we'll talk again soon. I know it. Thank you, Sharon. You have a good day, and you be well. You too. Bye-bye. Mm, bye. Wow, audience, did you learn, did you feel like you were in a laboratory listening to discovery and, and new, tech, new technology and the word curiosity of thinking? Dr. Cecil's been all over the world, and um, he's amazing, and all this, these guests we've had through the years are amazing, and there's so much to learn and so much to add, too. I wanted you to know today, too, that Bonnie, my secretary, found me some new information for you to go to. Go to Facebook and type in, look in for I Care About Water. And you'll come up with cities and locations around the world about new water research that's going on. Uh, There's even one in Morocco, which I've been to Morocco. And it says residents never know when the water will flow and, and, and be on tap. And this is going on in many parts of India and different parts of the world that would shock you that the countries are not putting investment into the priority of what is life if water first. Cities around the world that to, uh, in the United States are running out of water and problems, and you're having to ration uh, here's another one about your your water bottle could start a fire. Look up that one. And then look up the one that Governor Brown in, uh, in San Jose, the age, there's an agency there that has just approved up to $650 million for Doc, uh, Governor Brown to start a new Delta project. Look that up. So you'll find some new information as you go out there and study. The thing, Internet of Things today was a very interesting direction. That when you're learning on the Internet, beware. There's all kinds of conversation to go. I find when I go to study, I don't come up with just one or two or three or four. Always come up with more to the conversation. And look for things that disagree. Because if you get too much that agrees with you, you'll stop your brilliance to be smarter. Being smart means that you're learning. I want you to know that Earth 
is whispering to you. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life and your health with your vision. Breathe for all lives, but don't take away from somebody else's breath. Nature's pharma, you should care about what nature can do for your lifestyle. Listen to our guests, the story, the research, and the health education. You may save your life and somebody else's life, but always remember the power of the water in your breath. Thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 